loneliness is the perception in the brain. It is not, it doesn't matter what you, you can be in a house of 20 people and still be chronically lonely. And I think what's important to recognize about both of these things is that there's degrees. So from, again, from the lens of a caregiver, I could be lonely. I'm not physically isolated and I have the support of my brother and my sister as I'm a caregiver. They understand it, but they don't closely relate to the trials and tribulations that I'm facing as I'm caring for my elderly parent or my spouse or, you know, whomever it may be. As our parents grow older, it can be difficult to guide them through their golden years while still respecting their autonomy and fitting it into our already complex lives. Welcome to the Parent Projects Podcast, where our guests share practical wisdom to tackle the issues that impact adult children of aging parents. I'm Tony Sievers. Thanks for joining us today. You know, it's... um, I, I'm extremely excited to have this conversation, so much so that we're giving a shout out and, and pushing live out to our LinkedIn audience, which is something we don't get to do a lot of times because today I'm sitting down with Cindy Jordan. Uh, Cindy Jordan is co-founder and CEO of Pix Health. She's another tech startup founder here out of the Arizona market. Uh, she's another person who has law enforcement in her background, uh, like I do, which is a really fascinating like mix. And it's crazy to see where maybe some of this is going to turn for us all. Look, uh, Cindy, I, I really want to j- I, I dive right in. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast this week and, and introducing us to your, your passion to serve and to help family caregivers or really just in general, the public understand how to start dealing with the differences in loneliness and in isolation. Thanks for having me. I'm super happy to be here. Um, and yes, it is. It's not often that tech founders came from law enforcement, so that is definitely That's a, what I'm saying, a, right? a very weird thing that we've got going on. More than that, I went off of that and coming through. I, you know, I, I the military career and other stuff from there, and, and obviously helped with some Fortune 500 companies. But I ended up finding that passion. My MBA is in nonprofit world and <laughs> raising money, working that way. So, like, I feel like you get how I got to. Most people look and they're like, "What is a guy in his mid 40s doing it?" at this, how does this be where you land? And I think you watch enough difficult situations in life, it just kind of pulls on you. And and once that once that calling hits you upside the head, there's kind of no stopping it and away you go, right? Yeah, it's true, no doubt. So, so you know, you have got, um, talk to me about, talk to me about your, your story uh, from that. Would you please give us a little bit of a background for our audience? As to your perspective, how do you come to understand you know, what a parent project would look like or family caretaking looks like and, and how you look to really leverage or work in this uh, technology aspect? Yeah, so I'm on my uh, second healthcare IT startup. Um, my, and, and frankly, after we started and sold the first one, I really didn't think I would get back into healthcare IT again. But mm-hmm. in 2017, my stepdaughter had a very bad year. Um, she was going in and out of the emergency room and en- ended up in an inpatient facility. And when we kind of got through it as a family and asked her, you know, what, what comes first? Cause I'm a fixer by nature, as we were just talking about, you know, I would, I love to get ahead of problems. I want to, I'm going to find them early and solve for them. And, um, she talked, she started talking about being lonely. And of course this is before the pandemic. 
And I candidly didn't understand. I'm like, what do you mean you're lonely? You live with the roommate, you come to family dinner. Like it made no sense to me because I was thinking about somebody who's physically isolated by themselves. I wasn't thinking about the emotional sort of mental and behavioral health effects of being lonely. So I started researching it, actually became pretty obsessed with it. And, and um, in 2017, we were the only developed country in the world that wasn't treating loneliness like a diagnosable, treatable condition. So we decided we would get back into the mix. Um, and in a, a couple years ago, actually two years ago, the company's up and thriving and, and Riley, my stepdaughter ended up passing away. And she, you know, one of the last texts she ever sent in the world, she talked about this loneliness. And so for us, it has become, and I think you and I talked about this, um, Tony, it's like, this, this is a mission so that, you know, another family doesn't have to feel like ours did. And yeah. our, our mission is very driven around loneliness and isolation because we know that it is a silent, deadly killer that is so pervasive and ignored in our sort of healthcare society sphere, if you will, that, um, you know, we just want to make it better for someone else. And offer folks, and I know we're going to talk about this today, but a way to like raise your hand and say, I'm lonely and someone help me. Exactly. You know, what's also fascinating is as opposed to maybe other things which could just be situationally, um, you know, induced or, or really kind of thrive at one particular time while you're in the throes of a situation of stress or other things, uh, loneliness can really linger. Um, you know, I, I, I look, I had, a uh, my dad, who we, we talk about often, um, on, on the show, he, uh, you know, he took care of both of his parents, um, and was, a, was a family caretaker as they passed. And he had, he had a great amount of help out of family that would come and assist. And he's one of 11. So there's, there's a lot of people out there, but he had point because his kids were, were out, out of the home when, after they had passed and just some of the difficulties of watching, especially his relationship, I think with his mom, I think men watching their mom or, uh, or women watching their dad, at some level, there's these other, just watching that degradation um, and, and what has to step in were things that just weighed on him. And, and it, you know, I watched that go over a prolonged period of time for him, even after their loss and things had passed and the situation was down and he's amongst people again, and he's trying to get out. And then and then we had a loss of, of his closest brother and we had the loss of my sister, my my uh, my little sister last year. And these things just, I, I can see that this is something that just sits out there unless we get this good opportunity to talk. And it's a hard, it's a hard thing to approach. So what is, you know, look, maybe um, for our audience, what are your thoughts on some of those, if they, if you're starting to recognize outside of you being the caretaker, but maybe since you came at this as a spouse, maybe watching other things, you know, watching a spouse go through this, talk to me how you would, um, what are some of the earliest things you think, or you could, you could start leaning in or to open conversations up maybe to, to understand the difference between loneliness and isolation? Yeah. So I'll, I'll explain the difference between loneliness and isolation from the lens of a caregiver, because I think it will make a perfect sense here. And, okay. and, and I think, you know, what, what you're referring to is I, I did become the caregiver for my family after the death of Riley, because my, my spouse was in such grief, as you can imagine, to, to the point where the whole DNA of the family shifted. 
So sure. if you think about it from the caregiver lens, here's isolation. Isolation is actually physically being alone, the act of. So let's say you were caring for an elderly parent in the home and that parent was homebound. And so in effect, it made you homebound, meaning you weren't going out as much as you used to. You had to get yourself sure. respite. You even wanted to go get your nails done or go see your friends or go to the store or go to church. And so that's isolation. And that is profoundly difficult and hard and has lots of emotional and you know behavioral, physical effects on the person. Sure. Loneliness is the perception in the brain. It is not, it doesn't matter what you, you can be in a house of 20 people and still be chronically lonely. And I think what's important to recognize about both of these things is that there's degrees. So from, again, from the lens of a caregiver, I could be lonely. I'm not physically isolated. And I have the support of my brother and my sister as I'm a caregiver. They understand it, but they don't closely relate to the trials and tribulations that I'm facing as I'm caring for my elderly parent or my spouse or, you know, whomever it may be. And yeah. that is that is the important part. If I believe that and, and this this is the science of loneliness, that someone doesn't understand my plight, that no one understands my plight, the brain literally starts to rewire and you end up putting yourself into what we call chronic loneliness. And what happens then is, you know, you, you stop talking to people about your trials and tribulations. You stop reaching out because why, you know, they they don't get it anyway. Nobody can support right. me. They're never going to understand. And then your own health starts to decline. And there's been study after study. And I'll just quote one. If you are in a chronically lonely phase, it has the same effect on the body as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. You know, that it, so what you just like dropped into the back of my head it does touch, uh, it touches back into law enforcement stuff. Do you, do you probably recall maybe touching back into that when we talk about training, like that ability to, in your mind, maybe park across the street from something and, and think about, okay, well, if, if a bank robbery happened here or something happened off of here, I would do this and I'd come here. And that they literally have the science saying that you, you would do that and pull that into which your brain would determine if it ever happened, it would call on that experience. And it would be able to state that that's a thing. It sounds like that's a lot of the same things that, that our brains are doing when we start talking ourselves into the loneliness is it's recalling what it is we've talked it through when we're in that mind exercise of just kind of going there. Am I on, is that, am I? Yeah, that, I mean, um, you know. I've never thought about to, it that way. Never thought yeah. about it that way. That's, yeah, wow. So my, you know, my, my partner uh, would would always say, no one can understand this grief. And so I'm, I'm not even going to try to communicate it. Right. Or right. you may be in the situation where you're taking care of someone or you yourself are, are in that mid to chronic lonely loneliness phase. And um, you, you start to believe that really nothing's going to help. So why should I take my medicine? Why should I reach out to my friend? Why should I even, it, it almost becomes this hopeless, helpless place. And what I do know to be true is that you cannot get out of that place unless you give voice to it. You have to acknowledge, oh my gosh, I'm here. Or my father is there. And because it, it you, in, I call it stuck in mud in order to get through stuck in mud where you can re-engage with community and the things that make you happy and love and laugh and lighter and 
actually relieve the burden of what you're carrying, you've got to move through stuck in mud. And the first thing you have to do is recognize that it's there. And that's part of the problem. Like folks will go a long period of time before they'll say, am, am I lonely? Is, is that what this is? Am I alone? Yeah. It, so, okay. We're going to, we're going to take a break for a second to pull back from that. I think you've, you set in a, a fantastic picture of what uh, stuck in mud, what stuck in mud looks like. He's stuck in mud. Have you been stuck in mud? Have you seen someone who's stuck in mud? When we come back, uh, we're going to take a, a, a quick look here at, at Pick's Health, a little deeper to understand that perspective from that. But Cindy, uh, Jordan, and I, we're, we're going to sit down and break through how technology can be leveraged to help us get unstuck out of that mud. So stay tuned. The Parent Projects podcast will be back right after this. Riley was always smiling. Everyone loved to be around her. But her circle of loving and supportive family and friends wasn't enough. We didn't know how profoundly lonely she was. No one did. This was one of her last messages. If you're feeling lonely or isolated, we understand. Visit PixCares.com because no one gets better alone. Hey, we are back with Cindy Jordan, co-founder and CEO of Pix Health, and we're we're talking through. We're going to get ourselves a little unstuck. Uh, difference in our in kind of hidden into that last break. Uh, we we talked about Cindy. Thanks for for joining us here. We we you, you walked us through the difference between loneliness and isolation. We set a tone for that, and clearly both very profound. Both dealt with very differently. The power of the brain of of what it can really do with those things. I think we can really understand and, and most of our audience can probably really empathetically feel what that looks like. They've seen somebody there. We've probably experienced one of the degrees that you refer to about that at some point in time. And maybe by grace of God, we were able to pull out of that or somebody helped pull us out. Um, we've seen technology play a big role in physical, well, we had with COVID that physically isolated us technology started playing a solution in that physical isolation, but it became a very, it seemed to me, uh, you know, that it became a very easy to go to solution. It became easier to do that. And in formation, especially of younger people, it became kind of hat in hand. It became something very, very easy for them to jump to over establishing those relationships that could challenge loneliness or a feeling of loneliness and, and set a truth in there. You know, when um, in as we, as we kind of move forward off of this, you talked about being stuck in the mud. Let's let's get on. Let's get unstuck. What are the roles that you see? What could technology do to help do that? What can what what do we need to look for in surrounding? Are there things we can surround ourselves with or, or people or can we build an infrastructure around us in a certain way? What do you what did you learn? Because everything you've thrown down so far is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I mean. Look, technology plays a role here, and then I'll, I'll I'll talk about that, and then I'll talk about this sort of the the first steps. You know, um, the the problem with you know what's happened in technology and society, and particularly for our young folks, and you know we talked about this before the show that that young people actually statistically are more lonely than than sixty five plus. It's because we've taken our relationships on social media in particular, and, and this and this is important. We should not confuse social media and technology. There is technology that is not about having a hundred friends and likes and dislikes and, you know, sort of being keyboard warriors. But when, when you and I grew up, 
I had four or five really good friends and the relationship was a mile deep. But now you have a hundred friends on a platform and the, the relationship is an inch deep, right? And so what we have to do is get folks back to engaging in in community and family and and folks around them in that mile deep way again. And you know what? Technology is important there. So, you know, remember I talked about giving it a voice, saying that you're lonely, saying that you're isolated. It it is it really just takes one one step. You know, have you ever just verbalized something and you felt instant relief? Yeah, that and, but for caregivers in particular, we feel like if we verbalize that that we're complaining. Like, oh, I, you know, I don't have it as bad as my mom does, or I don't have it as bad as my spouse does. And so therefore I just need to not complain, but you're not complaining. What you're doing is saying, I'm ready to let somebody in and help me through the stuck in mud. I'm ready to start to self-manage. I'm ready to actually find a solution that can help me through this. And yeah. where I think technology is huge is in the self-management space. Like, so any time of the day or the night, and what we find is, our chronically lonely folks use our technology exponentially in higher volume between 12 and 5 a.m. So your mind's going, you're not going to call your best friend down the street. You're not going to call your family, but you can get on there. And, and, you know, what we have is it, and I, and I know you have a lot of this too, an empathetic um, sort of approach to our technology. In fact, the bot behind me is the voice in the platform and he is always there for you. And he'll help you find resources, maybe do some meditation so you can go back to sleep, self-management. You know, he'll, the, the, the bot will help you find a solution in a moment at two o'clock in the morning. And that's where technology is critical. Because yeah. while humans have to be a part of this equation, and they are in our business model, they can't be there all the time, every minute, every second when you need some help. Right. Uh, you know, you so you you give that thing, uh, you, you name that you name that problem that sits out there. There is how I mean, you mentioned through you don't want to do that because you, you might be whining or you can't get off of all of that. But the reality is both can be true. Mom could have it worse than you and you can still feel loneliness. <laughs> and that is that affirmation of that might need to come at two o'clock in the morning and four o'clock in the morning in that moment in order to come through that. And, and so that that's fantastic. Can you talk to me? Okay. So you and I are both two people who feel that the kinetic connection between human beings is extremely important in, in our experiences. Um, can you talk to me about what would that, so if you're going to utilize, if, if, if technology can help recognize that moment and help you give a voice to that and, and put a name to that and get an affirmation, right? Picks or somebody can picks or could or somebody can be like, oh yeah, that is, that is hard, and and just to to let you move to the next step. What is the kinetic, um, whether at that platform or what? What are some great kinetic steps that could be taken to make sure that we're moving in a in a healthy way that you've seen out there? Yeah, I mean. I'll just speak about it the way that PIX does it. Although I think there's a lot out there that that looks very similar to this, but let's say you're engaging with the bot in the middle of the night and you know, the information that's gathered, which, which includes like the sentiment, you're like your state of being at the time, like what your needs are. Sometimes needs are as simple as, oh man, I just need a friend. And sometimes they're as dramatic as a social determinants of health need. Like I don't have any food in my refrigerator. Yeah. Um, 
And so the bot sort of kind of collects this data and instantly forms a picture, like within three, within three interactions. And if, if, if that picture is, it, it, like I talked about, in that mid to acute phase, it throws a flag. And then we have a whole, our, our employees are all um, certified, in, you know, they're called certified peer support in the business, but they're certified companions. So they're trained, they're employed, and, and they will then reach out to this person and get them on the phone and say, hey, everyone needs a little help. Everyone. How can I help you? Do you want me just to keep you company? Do you want me to help you put food in that refrigerator? You know what I mean? Do you yeah. need like respite because you haven't been out, you know, in three months because you're caring for your, I, I will help you do that. I will be that, that, that person who develops the, a trusted connection with you because we call all of our folks Andy and it stands for authentic, nurturing, dependable, your friend. And Andy wants nothing from you other than to help you, right? And name relationships in the world that are that pure and easy. And, you know, um, so Andy is, is there to help folks figure out what the barriers are to move through stuck in mud. And I don't believe that a piece of technology could be that, you know, that poignant. And, and the other thing about our model that I like is that we generally pair Andes with folks who have sh what we call shared experience. So, for example, I might get an Andy who's who 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 lost their stepchild, and you know, and 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 would understands the effects that that has on your marriage, right? Like that would it doesn't mean that Andy has to look like me. Andy has to right. be a fifty-two year old white female. It just means that Andy has a shared experience that creates a commonality between us. And, right. you know, and I know you've talked about this a lot, is that that commonality is what binds humans. Yeah, it will drop. We drop our guard uh, with that. The, you know, the natural guard that we that we're constantly throwing up. And, and there's a lot, you know, another aspect. And we talked about a lot this, you know, I have five kiddos and my, my youngest being eight, oldest being 22. My, my kid of four of them still in school. There's a lot going on in the world and they're dealing with a lot more information than than you and I really ever did. I, I, I think I was in college by the time I remember reading about, you know, the Hutus and the Tutsis and the genocides and some unfortunate things that really happened in that area and then got into a military career to see a, an element of that. But my, you know, my children are, are this stuff, it's, it's bleeding in wherever they are, right? It's hitting a news feed or they'll be on YouTube kids for crying out loud and something will drop in from a news report and we have to have a conversation of what's going on. And the human heart just doesn't really seem to be built to take on the entire weight of the world. Seems to be a lot. And, and I would say for even at older ages, I don't know that, that it, you know, that it can handle that. And so, you know, watching how many people come in, being vigilant in ourselves um, and making sure that we as caretakers are in a healthy spot so that we can approach the one that we're taking care of from a healthy approach, mentally, physically, emotionally, right? Those, I think, uh, I think that's great. Uh, I, I, I think you've, boy, given it that voice, giving that, that um, well, have, being able to get something more than an inch deep. And it might start. It might start with something that just is picking up my sentiment analysis. But the fact that it's going to hand it off into somebody who sees me, understands me, gets gets what that is. They can see it. They can get it. Right. They can 
uh, be a part of that. That's that's a pretty incredible touch and seems like a great path for a good place to go. Yeah. I mean, ideally, you find these relationships that are deep that can sustain you. But unfortunately, that's not how life works sometimes. And yeah. so if it happens to be, you know, an Andy and you you talk to Andy for a year or you talk to Andy just one time like that, that's our mission is to help you feel like you have somebody that will go that mile deep for you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, look, it's in in the end, like, you know, we. It, it it's remarkable sometimes like and this happens to me all the time when you sit down in an airplane and someone will literally say, you know, instead of just looking forward or having their earphones in, how are you and how are you doing? You know, uh, you know, if you just look at it in this small little microcosm, like how does that change your flight significantly? Oh. It's, it, it's a better flight. So imagine what that kind of thing at a bigger scale for right. something more important, like loneliness and isolation, imagine the impact that that can have. And so, you know, we're, I'm, I know this is going to sound crazy because of the journey to get here, but I'm so grateful to do this work, like more than I'll ever be able to articulate. Yeah. The, you know, when we, uh, a few years ago, I was leading a charge on, on working towards veteran homelessness, eliminating veteran homelessness here in the state. And we have a place called Mana House that's up here uh, in the Phoenix area. And while going through that, some of the things that we a commonality against everyone who found themselves in that homeless situation that we were helping to pull off the street. One thing they shared in common was a physical isolation from, mm -hmm. from their last relationship, the last couch to surf on that thing had gone off. It had, it had, it had been really um, interesting. So, so being able to, it was an, I, I wasn't, I didn't anticipate seeing a commonality across everybody else, right. Of something like that. Um, but to know that that is indeed a thing. So taking that time to just check in on those people to the left and right. I mean, having that wherewithal, I, I, without a, in a short side, uh, Christine, I remember meeting a woman about four or five years ago. Uh, and she, she was, um, on the side, ask for money on the side of the street. And we hand out, hand out socks in the winter, brand new clean pair of socks. Like I can always have that. We've always got a stack of them and I'm handing it off. And, uh, and I, I introduced myself. I said, I'm Tony, what's your name? And she, she cried as she told, she told me her name and told me that no one had asked her name in two years. And oh, right. Like I was thinking, man, that, that phys that isolation, you know, just what that would feel like and how you've got to break that cycle. So maybe at some point in time too, you have to break, um, the physical, like the, or the loneliness, excuse me, you got to fit, you, you break that isolation and that can be as simple as just like you just said on the airplane. Like it's just checking in from that moment, taking outside of your day off of that, not looking to have that conversation maybe forever and just bombard them off of something. But what a what a good work that you can do in just saying, how was your day? That's it. it. You know, it's like rights behind me. Hi, friend. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. It, you know, and it's interesting because when you use the example of Christine, the idea that it also doesn't have to be human or technology and in the homeless population in particular, yeah. like a lot of them have pets and their pet is their is their mild, deep relationship. Um you know, there's so there's it it really just is about like finding something that like you know fills fills your soul 
a little bit so you can start at least you know back to the theme get out getting out of the stuck in mud but well, um an important aspect i think of that too and we we've, we've talked about we talk about this often of it not don't approach caregiving if, or or even doing that from an obligation standpoint there it's no. not a, it's not a guilt or a point nobody wants to be taken care of or approached out of obligation instead if you're if you're a person who wants to be remembered as someone who's done that outreach or has worked off of all of that think of the things that you do want to push in for if, if you're called to do that put that practice into your life and work that practice and you'll probably be amazed by what it touches if you're not that's such a calling there's going to be some other place and that's okay too there are a lot of people to your left and right that want to do that and want to be out there and find ways to get them in the game or you know identify those things so uh you know speaking and, and we're kind of running into our time where, where, Cindy, um, I could talk with you forever. Where where can people find more information about Pix Health and you guys and what you're doing? Uh, well, there's, we do have a few sites. The one that was in the commercial, um, Pix Cares, uh, and then PixHealth.com. Um, you know, we, we do, our business model is that we contract with, with health insurance payers and we serve primarily Medicaid and Medicare members. However, because we are very, very dedicated to helping anyone who needs it, we do have a free version in, in the app store, in the play store. Um, so, but sometimes the answer is not even us. And we have a, a breadth of resources that we can navigate people to. Um, you know, this isn't, we, the way I think about this is like, if, if PIX works for you, great. But if it's not PIX, it, something else will. Yeah. Yeah. And and there has never been a better time to hear this message. Cindy, I genuinely pre with the silver tsunami coming through, right? We're going to we're going to see that that surge from about 48 million people on that Medicare, me, maybe Medicaid, but at least Medicare social security side swell to 90 million in just the next 5 years. That's going to be an overwhelming amount of people that'll probably have a difficult time, you know, being a veteran and using the VA health system, it can, it can be laborious and difficult. I can only imagine how we're going to face this over the next few years. So, you know, if you do have that call off of that, follow Cindy. I think they threw that up there for a LinkedIn. Look at PIX Health. Um, and and by all means, I just I sincerely appreciate the time uh, and, and attention you've given us today and sharing your time, talents and treasures. Cindy, thank you so much. God bless you and the work that you guys are doing at PIX Health. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. And I hope, uh, I hope you have a good day. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye. Well, that's it for the team this week. And thanks for joining us. If you've enjoyed the content, remember to subscribe and to share this episode on the app that you're using right now. Your reviews and your comments, they really help us expand our reach as well as our perspective. So if you have time, also drop us a note. Let us know how we're doing. For tips and tools to clarify your parent project, simplify communication with your stakeholders, and verify the professionals that you choose, you can find us on YouTube, follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Thanks again for trusting us until our next episode. Behold and be held. Thank you for listening to this Parent Projects podcast production. To access our show notes, resources, or forums, join us on your favorite social media platform or go to parentprojects.com. This show is for informational and educational purposes only. Before making any decisions, consult a professional credential in your local area. This show is copyrighted by Family Media and Technology Group Incorporated and Parent Projects LLC. Written permissions must be granted before syndication or rebroadcast.